We turn now to Robert Malley. He's Mitty's program director for the International Crisis Group, a nonprofit committed to preventing and resolving conflict. I would say it's remarkable the degree to which Syrian society up to this point has resisted the kind of sectarian civil war that seems to be just around the corner. And the question is whether what happened in Hula, the massacres there, could trigger the kind of, could be a tipping point towards a more generalized civil war, which, again, we haven't really seen. We haven't seen massacres of Alawite villagers, for example. Um, but that's the risk. And the more this lasts, the more likely it will be and the harder it will be to, to reach a diplomatic solution and the more likely that you're going to see the kinds of developments that people are fearing, regional spillover, uh, but also growing uh, weight of the more Islamist, jihadist strain of the, of, the op- of the armed opposition. So a lot of the things that people fear are more likely to happen uh, the longer it lasts. What do you think, Robert, would military intervention help? First question is, is not only will it help uh, in the civil war, is whether there's, a, there's the willingness on the part of the international community uh, to do so. And that really depends on, on their own assessment of the risks involved and of, the, of what it would actually produce. Obviously, a number of countries would be interested in getting rid of the current regime, but they also are somewhat uh, petrified at the notion of jumping into another Middle East conf- conflict, right. of perhaps exacerbating uh, the, the situation in Syria, of provoking greater outside interference and greater spillover effect uh, from Syria. So I think any, you know, any... Anyone who's thinking, looking at Syria, is looking at all these options, including the military option. But at this point, I have not seen, and I don't think that uh, leaders in, in, in Washington or elsewhere have seen a plan that, that reassures them in terms of answers to those questions. How do you get in? What are the costs? What are the consequences in terms of perhaps escalating conflict in Syria? What are the costs for the region? And then perhaps most important of all, how do you get out? It doesn't mean that it won't happen, but it means that before those questions get credible answers, it's hard to imagine at least speaking for uh, speaking about the U.S. administration, that they would plunge in. Others have talked about a Yemen option. Uh, explain mm-hmm. that. What is it? I mean, the Yemen option, option doesn't really say much. What it what it stands for is basically three three pillars. What what happened in the case of of, of Yemen and the transition there? Pillar number one is that it's a coalition of countries, including countries that are historical allies of the regime in question. In the case of Yemen, it was Saudi Arabia, which was allied with President Saleh, that was joining in this international effort. In this case, when people speak of a Yemeni option, they have in mind bringing Russia on board as an ally of the of the Syrian regime. That would be part of this transitional process. That's element number one. Element number two is that at the end of the process, the president, President Saleh in one case, President Assad in this case, if it were to happen, would have to be would have to step down. Right. Element number three is that the basic infrastructure, the structures of the regime, some of the pillars of the regime stay in place. It's a very gradual, uh, managed transition. And so different countries see different pieces of the Yemeni model that they like. The Russians are attracted to the notion of a managed transition, of one that retains basic elements of the regime, as, as is the case today in Yemen. The basic structures of the regime have not changed. The Americans and some others, when they think of the Yemeni option, what they like about it is that for them the punchline is that Assad has to go, and in their view he would have to go sooner rather than later. I'm curious to know how much hostility you think the West is breeding in Syria by appearing to do nothing while children in Syria are being stabbed and shot at point-blank range. 
it's hard to measure. I mean, there always are conspiracy theories on all sides. And then, and from what we're hearing from some of the people who report to us, who work for us on the ground, there is this feeling that is growing, uh, however illegitimate and unjustified it is, that many in the West, in fact, want President Assad to stay in power. They don't mind that he's weakened because it serves Israel's agenda, but they basically don't want to do anything to overthrow him because better have a weak Assad than uncertainty and, and, and perhaps uh, an entity that would arise and, and, and rebuild Syria. So that is, that, that's, that's there. It's present. It probably is going to be uh, uh, intensified if nothing changes. But it's also inevitable uh, because, because conspiracy theories are rife in the region to a large extent because they, the people in the region have been the victims of Western conspiracies for so long. So it's not hard for them to imagine that they're victims again. Robert Malley, Middle East Program Director with the International Crisis Group in Washington. Thank you very much. Thank you.